0: Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Elizabeth Uwe a multi-award winning author. She is a columnist at the FT and co-author of the 2018 bestseller Slay in Your Lane which Vogue described as giving a voice to the next generation of young black British women. Elizabeth has worked as a brand strategist with people such as Nike, Google and Bumble. And she's been listed as one of the most influential people in London by the Evening Standard. And she received a Marie Claire Future Shaper Award recently. Her new book, The Reset, Ideas to Change How We Work and Live, explores the impact of resetting our approach to work in society and she's interviewed some amazing people inside the book as well as all of her own experience and opinions on how work needs to change and how we can reset society, culture, our cities and the world. We dive into the topics in the book in this episode and I really enjoyed getting to talk to her after reading the book in record time. It's a really interesting look at some really big themes and I learned a lot from it and got a buzz of optimism for the future. Hope you enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed the conversation and if you want to leave a little review somewhere that would be much appreciated. Here is the conversation with me and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. I loved your book so much and I'm so excited to talk to you about it. It was full of just your curiosity and I feel like it's here to help us and shake things up. I love that you say in the intro that it's not a productivity guide, it's not a self-help book, you're not coming in here telling everyone what to do but you're just asking some huge questions and you've done an amazing job of packaging it up for us I think. So I wanted to firstly ask you... How did you come to this realisation that you wanted to touch on this? Because these are big themes in this book.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much for your kind words. Um. I do really appreciate it. And I, like you said, it's, it's about curiosity. So I guess it was an accident. Um. If I'm honest, Tony Morrison talks about, you know, if there's a book you want to, you want to read, and it hasn't been written yet, then you have to kind of write it. I like reading and I like reading different ideas. I didn't want to read a book that told me how to you know get more out of my day how to do this how to do that I just wanted to read a book that I guess that explored different parts of the way I was thinking about living my life and it not being seen as isolation from like work and life and it just being I guess just I guess one thing and I think a lot of you know a lot of people my age our age can kind of relate to the feeling of just feeling like you're on a treadmill and Um, wanting to kind of like stop and take stock of like, I guess, okay, is this where I want to go with my life? Is this where I want to go with my career?
0: I love your FT columns, your sharp observations. You you really go in there. And one of the things I guess you start with in the book, you say that we all love talking about the future of work and we're all obsessed with almost talking about how things have changed and how the world is changing. But actually that, that realization that a lot of people are working in exactly the same way how did you know how did you notice this gap in the discussions that like media people are having versus the reality?
1: I think that it was probably because I worked at h s b c for a couple of years after I graduated from university, so I had like that corporate career and then when I did Slain and Lane and I became freelance, it was almost refining myself again. It was almost as and I was going to loads of different talks and I'd meet th- different types of women and people, and it felt as if like there was a big disconnect from. The work I was doing, how I was working at HSBC in a very corporate environment, the kind of freelance freelance life that I was experiencing, but also sitting on panels and you have you have you know loads of people um, telling you about their work their work life and you're reading people's stuff on on online and it just felt like there's always a massive disconnect and I guess it was it felt like a an elephant in the room where it, it feels as if the same people are talking about the future of work, the future of work and for some reason, nobody was kind of addressing the fact that a lot of people are burnt out. A lot of people just don't want to see work as like their whole identity, and it felt as if people were—we were just all zombied into a way of living and working, and there was no escape from. I think a lot of media people. Um, this is obviously no shade, but obviously they—they they work in the media, and I think because I have had that shift from a nine-to-five structured work in the city to a very, I guess, you know, fluid way of working, I was able to kind of be more exposed to the fact that like, there are cracks and people, there is a real disconnect here.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you touch on that in the book, because I've got to say, I stepped away from it a bit. And I talk more about creativity and self employment, because I don't know what it's like to work in an office anymore. I haven't done it for like six or seven years. And I feel like you bridge that gap really well. You've got so much in the book from experts and from your own experience. You're talking about real day-to-day stuff for people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that came down to the fact that I've been exposed to so many different people over the last three years since I've, you know, come um, into this whole new world of, you know, being self-employed. And um, I think because my job is so fluid, you get to meet You go into organisations, you speak to people and then you're on panels and you're just constantly, people are telling you their work stories. So obviously Slaying Lane came from, the genesis of Slaying Lane came from from work, essentially. I wasn't enjoying the way I was treated at work.
0: I love that you say in the book that we don't have work versus life. We have a life. We have one life. When did you start realising that for yourself, that actually work isn't separate to all the other bits of your life?
1: Um that's a very good question. I think it was when I I felt really burnt out um towards the end of 2019 and just unhappy with I guess the way I was working. And I wanted more from my actual like life, so my relationships with people, my friends, my family, um, you know, my working relationships. And it felt that I was sacrificing too much. Um, and I think that was that was probably the realization. I, you know, it's important that we, I always talk about, you know, what success means and means different things to different people. And we, we've we had this thing about redefining what success looks like over the last couple of years. It's like everybody's talking about it. But I think that what I didn't want to do, and I realised I was doing for a long time, was sacrificing a lot of my happiness and delaying that and therefore, you know, experiencing burnout, experiencing bur- um, breakdown in relationships and friendships, because I was you know like going for my goal or kind of focusing on on my career my work because that was the most important thing so I think when I started seeing my my life as more the holistic way and not just about you know success and work it it just it felt I felt relieved I think that's how I felt It, it didn't feel as if like I was Therefore, sacrificing. It felt like everything has to work together. When I realised I was sacrificing way too much, that was when I realised that ultimately, like this way of working and living wasn't working for me.
0: I know what you mean. It's a really weird one, isn't it? Because work and life, I'm the same. I like the fact that my life is one big merge and I, every day, you know, I try and have a good day, whether it's I'm working or I'm not working. But I feel like, during lockdown, for example, our lives merged more than ever. And we're all just on our laptops the whole time. And we're on Zoom talking to our friends, and then on Zoom talking to our colleagues. Yeah. Did you find that hard? Did you want to, I know you touch on flexibility in the book and how work has changed, but is there kind of like a negative to everything just being all lumped in together?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think what's happened is over the last year or so, we have to be all honest, this isn't a flexible working utopia, like we've been made to stay at home. So whatever we're experiencing now is not the experiment that we we all thought flexible working was going to be. Um, And it's been very hard for people in various ways, financially, um, mental health and physically. So um, I think that I am an advocate for we have to kind of come out of this period you know voicing about what worked about this time but what also didn't work and I think that's probably the most important thing and that's going to be different for different people you know do you want to give up that afternoon run that kind of made a big difference to your mental health um instead like to go into the office for like you know for five days a week or anything things like that so it's yeah I think it's just really important to kind of know What you want from your work life um, and your life as well, and kind of like try and merge those things together, as opposed to like see them separately. But it's that's where boundaries are really important. You know, you can't you can't be everything to everybody at the same time. You can't do everything at the same time. Like you are not a machine. Like you know, you have to be able to like switch off properly. If you don't switch off properly, then you cannot switch back on and turn up in anything. If it's a Zoom, if it's you know to your you know your friend's um, birthday dinner like I've sat in many birthday dinners and I was thinking about work I've sat in many panels and I'm thinking about oh gosh I've missed this I think that you have to prioritize what is most important to you um, and what kind of life you actually want and what does that look like and that's the thing it'll be different from for different people and ultimately you're the only person that can come to that inclusion yourself.
0: And I know in the book you say that you've learned quite a lot about yourself during the lockdowns in 2020. Have you learned to switch off in different ways due to that, you know, forced period of being quite insular?
1: Yeah. I think that I've learned that I'm I think a lot of people realize they're way more social than they they did realize going into it. I think that it's been obviously been hard for a lot of people and and but I think that what I've enjoyed about it is learning to switch off. I just, I realise I just don't switch off because every day is a new days a new opportunities and new thing to do. And you just what it's not, up, we're not made to just be constantly on. In normal life, I just can't afford to do that because if you're out and about, you need your phone and, you, you know, someone needs you and, you know, you have, everyone's got responsibilities. But I think because I've been made to stay at home, um, if i got, to, I, you know, I'll flag, to, I'll flag to, you know, key people, I'm going to be on email not going to be with my, with my phone, anything's urgent, just let me know. And I think that it's just, it's helped me have boundaries and what's really important to me, which is my mental health um, and my relationships.
0: That's really, really good. Cause I don't know about you, but I found the first lockdown really difficult because I did not know when to stop. And I actually felt like I was going backwards and that I had good boundaries. And then I suddenly didn't, I felt like I was working all hours of the day, but I would have nothing to show for it. I was not doing, I was like not doing much. I just was sat at my laptop the whole time and to have come out now the other side and realized, oh my God, that was awful. Has, I think loads of people will have learned at least something from that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the most important thing. There's a, there's a line in the book that talks about, you know, the activity of work reminds us that, you know, as individuals, as communities and as a society, we can build our own future that's what we have in common. That's what work is. It reminds us that we have our own goals and there is something to work towards. And, um, but we have to do it in a way that's sustainable with those things, us as individuals, us as communities and how we live with each other, but also us as a society and what we do in terms of, um, you know, the businesses we choose to work for, um, where we choose to spend and, and the value we put into um, the people around us, culture. I think that that's, Ultimately, what binds us all together. We all have different aspirations and different goals and different things that are that's gonna get us going. But ultimately, we all we are all working towards a future. And that's what the activity of work reminds us. And it's not the most important thing in our lives, but it does give us some sort of leverage, some sort of hope that we can do something for ourselves, essentially.
0: Yeah, and that's the positive message I definitely got from the book. I like that it's moving us forwards it's not it's not necessarily a book that looks backwards too much that's what I got from the book it's very much looking ahead which is which is what we need right now but it's really interesting what you said about it starting with the individual and you've got a section in the book about that about how it does start with us and it's interesting because I I hear the opposite sometimes when people are saying you know individualism is bad and we shouldn't put ourselves first and I guess you're not necessarily saying the opposite of that but I agree. I think we all have to take responsibility and that the future does start with each of us.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting because I always, I think it's really important to strike a balance. I this book isn't, that individual section is not about saying this is all on you guys, like how we work, how you live is all on you. There are structural, systematic, you know, just basic logistical things that mean that we all actually have to work within the reins of capitalism and. And earn a living. So there is, we 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 are all kind of bound to kind of be here and do things in a particular way as much as like as, as much as you know things will allow us to. So it's a balance that I, I struck in that chapter and just generally, it yeah. starts individual, but it doesn't end there because we have to understand that what what do we want from our working lives and how we work and how we live. We have to kind of come that comes to that conclusion ourselves, essentially. The same way I was like, you know what, burnout and constantly just on the treadmill is not something i want from life and then if you look at how i I speak about the individual's role it then kind of um broadens right out to you know culture you know the culture of the businesses we work for to the community to the city to society because we're all kind of connected there's no man is an island i think that's what we can what we've you know also taken out of this time in lockdown that we all need each other but first and foremost we have to kind of tap into us as like individuals and and really understand it what do we what are we doing this for like ultimately like I think that sometimes especially as like young millennial people it does feel as if we haven't taken stock on that you grad you know you go to go to university you graduate you get your first job you you know you're just constantly on 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 like with a generation that just never you know needed to log out like yeah. from logged in we never needed to log out and we're kind of lucky because we we had that you know we we work on the MSM crew I've got my younger sister who is like 16 and she was you know taking GCSEs and she was saying to me that she feels burnt out I was like what I was like how do you feel burnt out and and I understand why she feels the fact that she had that level of vocabulary was just shocking to me and like she's super smart so obviously I'm like okay fair enough I get it but I was still taken aback that she was so mature in in articulating like this feeling that many of us up until I would say a few years ago didn't even use burnout as a as a phrase so yeah I, I think that we when I talk about the individual we all have a voice and we all we just need them being to feel empowered to use it um I remember when I was working at HSBC and I used to talk about I used to work in marketing so I used to talk about um, you know, HSBC in some, in a very structural, like, you know, weird way. And like my manager sat me down one day and he was just like, you do know HSBC just made up of people. People make this organization, like people uphold systems. We, we have the capacity to therefore change things. Um, and it, it might not feel so, you know, easy, but we have to recognize that if you don't recognize that, then where's the optimism? Where's the hope for, you know, creating and building our own future? we might as well just be robots.
0: You're looking at something from a lot of different angles, which is what I really appreciated in this book as well. Because you can talk about how it starts with the individual, how community is important, but also that we we do have to celebrate our individuality. And I love that because, of course, we should celebrate who we are as individuals but it's almost like sometimes we might be too scared to do that
1: absolutely and I think that what I realized was because somebody said to me well people ask you know quite often okay you you know you how has your career changed and how have you changed in the last you know three years since being in a very nine-to-five structured environment to what you do now um and I always I think it was only when I was only when lockdown hit I realized wow I've grown a lot since that time and one of the things I've been able to really come into my own in how I work as an individual because I can be myself and I can decide what parts I want to dial up or dial down and sometimes in our the way we work we are forced to dial down as much as possible and if you're you know if you're black woman you know that first and foremost. And, you know, even, even when you're not, if you, as a woman, you know, that. there's so many reasons why you have to play less than, and, or you, or you modify your behavior, modify who you are. And I, I really have enjoyed over the last couple of years, really kind of leading, um, leaning into, sorry, um, an element of individuality doesn't mean that I'm therefore more selfish with how I am with people or, or less you know empathetic it's the opposite it's made me um being myself more in how I work and how I choose to show up has made me more empathetic with other people you know sometimes the way we work doesn't allow for space and scope to be yourself it's the hardest thing in this life I always say is to be yourself we cannot suppress who we are like it's it just goes against our nature and you know cultures and I mean, work cultures and businesses need to recognize that. And that's what I mean by celebrating the individual. Because once you kind of like know who you are, like I say in the book, then you can decide what parts of yourself you want to bring to um, your work, how you work, but also how you interact with other people. Because you just, you hit a genius zone where you're just happier. And there's always a debate, like, you know, how much of yourself do you bring to work? Do you bring your whole self? Well, once you decide who you are and how you want to show up, you can make that decision yourself. But I just don't feel like there's room for that in current conversations about work. And I think that's what makes it so suffocating. And that's what makes people just want to leave a very structured way of working and branch out on their own. And that's what, you know, the Office of National Statistics has kind of like highlighted that in terms of the people who were leaving the workplace tend to be, a lot of time, a lot of women now, people just living with disabilities because there's such an inflexibility in the way we're working. But I think, and this is why I say in the book, it's because it goes against who you are. And I think these women, black women, um, people living with disabilities, we recognize that more than your average white man, but they recognize it too. They can just, I guess, play up to it more than we can because as a young black woman, I'm never going to be, you know, a, a white man. So I guess we cut our losses earlier. So, um, so we so, I think that's what I mean by trying to bring in a level of individuality and celebrating an individual
0: yeah, I really love that, and I think that seeing people for who they are inside the workplace is so important. I always found it so weird when you're just sat on the tube and just surrounded by people in grey suits who so all just trying to blend in and be the same as each other. And I get it, we, you know, work is work. But we're we're also human beings with lots of different sets of skills and special things about us. And it's just weird to like slap a label on people. It's it's weird. And I don't know if I was really naive, but I felt like last year maybe it was 2020 in the summer or even before then but I felt like literally it was headline after headline after headline of companies being called out being called toxic old employees coming back and, and 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 these were the companies that were like the millennial pink beanbags on the floor free snack friday places that built their whole foundation on empowerment and fairness and equality so I think your book is really relevant because there's a lot of companies that there were so many getting it wrong
1: that's why I wanted that was a hard chapter to write and this whole book some with my editor there were some points where she was like who are we speaking to here are we speaking to companies are we speaking to individuals like it became because I'm speaking to everybody like it's like we're all complicit in these things and we have to make sure that we're we're going into them with our eyes wide open as much as possible, because like I said, like I say in the book several times, we have one life. We want it to be as fulfilled as possible and, and for it to be meaningful. And, um, and it's important for us to kind of know why, why do I want to work in this company? Yep, the salary is great, all of those things. But as we know, Gen Z and, um, and even you know, millennials, we're looking at we're looking at things differently than other generations. So what, sh- what are the things that we should look out for? what are the things that we should value more than than we we we've been told to by all those other you know bit business books and articles that tell us you know you've got to these are the ways that you've got to do this and so it's just it's it's genuinely a reset of how we should approach a co- the companies we should work for um the businesses that we should be you know giving our money to um everyone's claiming to be the most purposeful and essentially you know you know like you said it will come out that they're not because they're treating their employees badly but also they have very not great trading methods and they're not as sustainable as they've once said so it's very much like transparency is key here but we have to kind of start from asking the right questions and I think that's how this book has felt like it started about the individual and it's just grown into into much more
0: God, there's so much in your book. It's such a meaty book. That's why I'm so excited for people to read it because I think it's going to really springboard a lot more conversations around this topic in, in a deeper way. I really, really enjoyed it. But you bring in a lot of extra voices and expert opinions and even Sadiq Khan and some incredible people. What's some of the things that stood out for you that you didn't know before or just something that you kind of keep thinking about?
1: Um, that's a very good question. Um I really enjoyed I enjoyed speaking to everybody um but I guess Karen Rosenkrantz um was amazing to kind of speak to just because the way she's the um she's a trend forecaster and a um an author of a book called City Quitters and she really advocates for us rethinking um the way we see the city as the the vehicle for all ambition and I really like that I'm a Londoner you know, I was, I was born in a big city. Um, and I've, you know, always lived in South London, basically. So this is, you know, being a city girl was in my blood. And, you know, the hustle and bustle is just something I can't get away from, even when I try to. um But I really like the fact that like, she is challenging a lot of norms about how we see the city is like, the most, you have to be ambitious to be here. Like, if you're not, um because for me, me when the only people that i saw who lived outside of london basically and were commuting were the heads of you know the heads of marketing the heads of this like very senior people who've you know quite established in their careers and what i like about what she advocates for and what she kind of talks about was you know creativity there is something really nice about creativity like in in um in rural areas it's not just about london and all very concentrated like city living that i guess we can all be seduced by um And I quite enjoyed that perspective because as we've seen with the pandemic, a lot of people are rethinking where they're going to live. And therefore, if I'm going to live like, you know, a bit further out, I don't want to come in five days a week because that's going to cost me X, Y amount. And that's just not going to be, you know, that's not going to be healthy for my own well-being. coming in and traveling for that long. I'm going to do now three days a week. And that shift in just, that thinking about how to structure, structure your work has come from the fact that many people are rethinking how they want to structure their lives. And I think that she's a very, she was a very important person that I really like talking to because she talks about um, just the fact that you you don't have to be in the city to make it. Like, it's not like we it's it's really hard to kind of live and work um as we do here um and i'm not saying we're not advocating you know leave london or leave you know big cities but i think it's to say that don't feel this is this is an opportunity we're never going to get this back don't feel like you have to be here if you genuinely have always thought about living somewhere else in england or somewhere else in the uk or somewhere else entirely this is the time to ask for what you want this is the time to speak up this is the time and i really enjoyed that just because as i said as somebody who's always lived and worked in, you know, in London, um, I really wanted that message to kind of be in this book. Um, And yeah, I think she, yeah, she's a very um, interesting perspective.
0: And I guess just me being curious, did you start writing this book during COVID or had you started writing it before that was a thing?
1: So I started um, before COVID. December 2019 was when I really started to... um, Um, think about it and start pulling things together then January I started you know speaking to uh, my editor about it and then it was meant to be like an audio project just asking questions basically and then I started then the pandemic hit and it turned into something else where it was like okay this this future of work piece that you want to do doesn't just look like about about work it looks about it's you know it's now about life so this is the time kind of ask these questions because like I said we're never going to get this point back this is a very special time in history in our work and in our lives and if you're somebody who's always thought about doing things differently I cannot stress enough how important it is to work out what that looks like work out what is most most meaningful to you um because when you're you know 90 years old you're gonna you're the things that you're going to people always say, like, you know, the things you don't, the things you regret are the things you didn't do. Um, and I think that that's what, you know, the last, tw- the last 12 months has re- made us realise that we actually have more power than we do, like, have. And we can speak up and say, you know what, this isn't working for me. I want to try this. I want to do this. Because what is the worst that can happen? Because we've had to, we've all seen, like, the last 12 months, how difficult it has been. So, there's, for me, and like you said, the book is optimistic because it's like the only way we go from here is by re- really thinking about what we want, how we want to do it and what things work in both our work and our, um, our life and making sure that it feels holistic and it, and, it, and it serves us and it moves us forward as individual individual. Yeah
0: totally I actually underlined this bit in your book where you asked the question what what is possible now that wasn't possible before and I was sort of (laughs) reflecting on that and I know that the book goes so much more beyond zoom and slack and technology it's like we're looking at the bigger picture here and for anyone listening I guess that is a good question to just reflect on like what is actually open to you now now that the world is in a bit of chaos almost I feel like it's a good time to make a fresh start when everything's a bit crazy um but for anyone listening who is really interested in these themes and will definitely get the book I mean you talk about communities the cities society culture but kind of boiling that down to a first step if someone is looking to reset what would you say is the smallest first step someone could make
1: oh I love this question um I guess you know what in the book I have in the last chapter I talk about uh it's, it's called society and I have this question I ask a lot of my close friends every every couple of months um it's very annoying um that I guess that they're kind of simple, but I put in the book and it's it's I guess if you're really thinking about like what do I want to like where do I go from here like what's the first step I I talk about in the book you know what is your idea of a good day and um uh, what does that look like and if everything went your way right now in how you're working would that align to what you what you constitute as a good life basically this isn't a trick question that says you know if you want a million pounds what would you do with it no it's it's a very like from the mundane what time would you wake up where would you live what would what would be the most exciting part of your day and how you would you know approach a particular type of work you know, how would you split your day? And I always find that, you know, the idea of a good day for me would be, should ladder up to what we see as a good life, ultimately, not the perfect life. Things happen every day that will make us feel really challenged and make us feel really like out of our comfort zone. But I think that when I'm, when I ask my friends, this question is because I'm trying to understand like the path you're on, are you happy are you happy to stay the course of this and for me, I like asking myself that question every so often if everything I'm working on to working on right now in terms of my work would that add up to what I constitute as a good life in how I really want to live my life um what I prioritize what I value the most um and I think if you just sit down and you kind of like start writing that out and it's not just about your career it's about your relationships with people it's about where you live it's about um your the communities you tap into online or social media it's about how you feel do you feel burnt out do you feel like you just like do you know what i mean so i think that that is what i would ask like what what is your idea of a good day and for me that's like my favorite dinner um dinner table with people and it always gets people like thinking um so that's what i would say and i love love this I love this quote um, by Martin Gladwell He says you know the visionary starts with a clean sheet of paper and reimagines the world um, and I think that more than ever this is the chance to do it like wherever you are wherever you're thinking if you've ever thought about it one or percent or never at all um, you know what does your piece of paper kind of look like and what is that perfect day or not perfect good day ultimately feel like and look like to you.
0: Oh, that's such good advice. I feel really positive and happy now. (laughs) I feel like just (laughs) boiling it down to um, a day to day thing that will actually ladder up to weeks and months and years of being happier and more fulfilled. So very, very practical. Thank you. And honestly, I really recommend everyone listening, go and buy a copy of the book. It is a bit of a, a warm hug in a way because it's sort of saying Yes, we do have the power to change things and it would be quite easy right now, especially to feel like, you know, we can't do anything. We're powerless, but we actually, we we can. And that's what your book, to me, sort of reminded me of.
1: Thanks so much, Emma.